Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast on the blog on alanarnett.com. It is Saturday, July 16th, a day early for the weekend update, but uh, we have a lot of activity that's beginning to brew in the Karakorum. And, you know, this past week has been a very, very quiet week because the winds were gusting 60, 80, even higher uh, on K2 on the higher slopes of the mountain. Also, some pretty decent snowfall was coming in. So everybody just just kind of laid low. And, um, you know, it's one of those weeks where patience was the key word. Lots of people making comments about nothing because not much was going on. Uh, there was one little push, though, that happened over on uh, Broad Peak that give a shout out, uh, Dennis Uparok, uh, he made a solo attempt on the summit and um, he went directly from base camp to camp three in uh, at 7,100 meters in nine hours. And uh, there was nobody else in the mountain on Broad Peak. And, you know, he was obviously breaking trail. He did it in the middle of a storm <laughs> and uh, not unsurprisingly, he stopped at uh, Camp 3 and did not make the summit attempt. You know, Broad Peak is, um, is, a, is one of the more achievable 8,000 meter mountains. But uh, once you get above Camp 3, you get into a really heavily crevassed area and then you get up to the summit ridge, which is very exposed, very dangerous, lots of cornices up there. You know, we sadly saw a Pakistani climber uh, punch through one of those cornices earlier this season and die. Uh, so people have been known to, you know, go down the Chinese side to their death um, on storms on, on Broad Peak. So Dennis, you know, being the veteran climber that he is, made the wise decision and uh, retreated back. He has permits for all five of the 8,000 meter mountains in uh, the Karakoram this season. So I, don't, I do expect to see him pop up on another one here before it's all over. Supposedly, he was going to do something on Gasher Brom too, but then it turned into Broad Peak. So with uh, Dennis, he's one of these climbers that uh, we report after he does something uh, because he really doesn't talk very much about what happens before. So before we get to the situation on K2, let me cover a couple other peaks going on right now. Uh, speaking of Gasher Brahms, on Gasher Brahm 1, which is considered to be, in my opinion, one of the three of the most achievable 8,000 meter mountains with uh, Choyo Yu and Manaslu being the other two. Of course, I'm not sure if we're ever going to see people summit Choyou from the Tibet side again. It seems like China uh, is very comfortable keeping their side of the of um, that part of the Himalayas closed. I'm even hearing that in 2023 that China is not going to reopen climbing on Shishapang, Machoy, and Everest. Uh, that, and that will be the fourth year in a row with COVID being cited as the reason. You know, this is July 2022. Uh, we're talking a year away, roughly uh, 10 months forever. So we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, it certainly is putting all the pressure now on the Nepal side of Everest. And also on Manaslu is now getting a lot of traffic uh, that normally would have gone to um, gone over to, to uh, Choyou. So anyway, back to the Karakoram. Kasher Brahm 1, there are three teams there that appear to be doing an excellent job of communicating and cooperating. That's Jagged Globe, uh, Roth Ostra with 360 Expeditions, and Kerry Kobler's team. You know, they've been talking about how difficult the conditions have been on G2. Uh, Roth made a very interesting uh, post, um, as well as uh, I got some comments from him uh, personally that the conditions are just really, really difficult. Warm temperatures, uh, repel anchors are 
bobbing in and out of the snow, making repelling very, very dangerous, or at least, uh, you know, very uh, unsettling, if I can use that word, if you can think about being on a rappel and looking up and seeing an anchor in that screw or that picket uh, bouncing in and out of the snow. Hopefully there's backups, which I'm sure there are, because these are all outstanding teams and um, very experienced leadership. But nonetheless, uh, it's very dangerous right now, but they have looked at the weather and they feel like that they're going to leave uh, base camp. Actually, they're probably on their way right now. It's currently 2 a.m. on Sunday, July 17th in the Karakoram, and they're looking to summit on either July 20th, 21st, or 22nd, depending upon the uh, snow conditions and uh, weather conditions and everything else. So we'll keep an eye on them and sending our sending them our very, very best. Uh, Nangaparbit, it appears to be quiet. There have been 26 summits this year, but nothing recently. Uh, but there's still some echoes going on from some controversy on the mountain. And I invite you to go look at my blog at alanarnett.com. And uh, on the, the post for this podcast, you'll see I have some links to um, a Polish climber, Pual Mikowski, uh, speaking to a journalist, um, Robert Jalko. And uh, in it, uh, Powell makes the comment that he wants, he wants to talk about, why did I give up on my summit attempt despite great conditions? I am furious. And the journalist Robert teased further saying that um, the scenes of the expedition indicate some, some of the climbers were deliberately misled while trying to reach the summit. So, you know, climbing is not without controversy, and it looks like that uh, this young climber is not happy at all with what happened on, uh, on Nanga. I'm unclear as to who he was climbing with, but uh, nonetheless, he is um, um, not happy. So I guess, you know, uh, speaking to a journalist and uh, getting your, uh, your case out in the court of public opinion is one way of, uh, one way of doing it. Okay, so let's look at K2. So normally K2 is summited sometime in the last week of July. That's normally when, you know, people have had enough time to go acclimatize. Uh, most people try to get a minimum of camp two. Uh, if you're using climbing without supplemental oxygen, most people want to get up to camp four and at least tag it. You know, that's through the Black Pyramid um, and hopefully sleep at 8,000 meters and then come back down to rest up and wait for that summit window. Um, this year, for some reason, which is very unclear to me, uh, there seems to be this rush to try to get to the top of the mountain. Now, we know the situation on K2, that there were 475 permits issued. Uh, I'm estimating that at least a quarter of that have gone away through attrition. Either they've given up, they've gotten sick, they've gotten bored, they realized you know, that they shouldn't even be on K2 in the first place once they got there and made that first trip, trip up to Camp 1 and had their eyes opened. Um, but I reckon, suggest that maybe 125 people of the 475 have now gone. So that leaves between 250 and 350 people still left. A tremendous amount, triple what it has been in previous years. So as a result, you know, the big five Nepali teams, so AK Expeditions, Elite, Imagine Nepal, um, Pioneer Adventures, and Seven, Sum Seven Summits Treks, they account for 253 people. Now, that includes uh, Sherpas in support. And then you add in another, let's say, 50 or so from uh, Madison and uh, uh, Fruitenbach Adventures, you know, that makes up about 300 people that are on the mountain right now. 
What I'm hearing is that uh, there's some conflict going on amongst the leaders. Now, it's unclear as to exactly what the conflict is based upon. It could be arguments about when to go up. Um, more than likely, it's about getting the ropes fixed. I'm told they're only fixed at Camp 3. Uh, or it may be about just jostling for position. And this is quite common on Everest, where you have so many people, that the team leaders try to get together and say, okay, I'm going to go up on this date. Well, I'm going to go up on that date. Okay, you guys go first. I'm going to follow. I'm going to let you guys lead, break trail. And so we're going to be a fast follower, and we're happy to go at the end of the season and not be one of the first teams. Other teams have a personal um, approach or strategy of wanting to be the first. You know, sometimes it is good judgment. Um, I'm afraid that right now on K2, there's a lot of big egos involved. And so there could have been, could be, you know, just kind of a fight for pride of who's going to be first, who's going to fix the ropes, you know, basically bragging rights, which in my opinion has no place in mountaineering, but nonetheless, we see it a lot these days, especially amplified by uh, selfies and social media and, you know, selling books and t-shirts and movies and, you know, whatever shoes, whatever people sell after they climb a mountain. Anyway, maybe they do podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. Guilty as charged there, you know. So if you look at the typical weather window on, on K2, what you want is at least five days. Because again, if you look at if you look at them on the podcast, on the blog that I have for this podcast, I show that a usual timeline is typically seven days. So you go from base camp to ABC, there to camp one, then camp two, camp three, four, and then you from camp four, you go to the summit and back down to camp three. That typically is a six day rotation. These days though, with all the extra oxygen people are using starting at a lower camp, even as low as camp one, that seven days can be taken down to four. But here's the rub is that Chris Tomer of Tomer Weather Solutions out of Denver. Chris has told me, by the way, Chris is a good friend. I've climbed with him a lot and trust his judgment immensely, impeccably, that uh, Chris has told me that he's expecting to see uh, winds kind of calm down on July 18th and 19th. So that's tomorrow and Monday. And so then spike back up on the 20th, which would be Tuesday, and that's only a three-day window. So even if you're you the most aggressive possible, using the strongest climbers on your team with extra oxygen that you may go, you may cut that seven days down to four. So base camp to camp one. In other words, you skip advanced base camp from camp one to camp three, you skip two. That means you're going from camp one through the black up through houses, chimney and the black pyramid all in one push. Then you go from camp three to the summit back to camp three. That's not unheard of. It's been done, but primarily only by very, very strong professional climbers or strong Sherpas working together as a team. And then you go from camp three back down to base camp. That makes up your four days. So the problem here, though, is that those fixed ropes aren't in. And when you have this many people, two or 300 people, you have no choice but to fi put fixed ropes in. And when you now have Sherpas that are setting the ropes in with clients following behind them, that's a very slow, tedious process. So normally what might be a 12-hour day going from Camp 4 to the summit of K2 and back down to Camp 4 or even 3, a 12-hour day, if you're following the rope team, that may turn into an 18-hour day. And with only a three-day window with wind spiking back up, boy, this feels awfully dangerous to me. But, you know, I'm not there on the mountain, so I'm not going to second guess them. 
However, I will note that Ming Maji, unbelievably skilled, strong, you know, climber with a lot of very good people whom I know several of them on his team this year, uh, he made a very unusual comment. Uh, he said that, let me quote this directly. He says, we are not ready for the summit push, but we will give our best as always. My team members are determined and they are mentally prepared. I'm fully confident my team will go back home after a safe summit. Okay, so he says his team is not ready for the summit push, but they're going to go on anyway. You know, I, I just don't understand that that logic. Uh, there must be something more there that uh, he feels that his, um, you know, his Sherpas and the Pakistani support team is going to be there to help those clients get up to the top and back down. You know, it's not a question of strength, though, when you have, you know, gale force winds hitting the top uh, flanks of K2. Uh, remember Allison Hargrave, you know, she and her team got blown off after summiting by high winds that came in in a very similar short window. So I don't know. I think they're gambling a little bit here, obviously sending them uh, my personal best wishes and the people I know personally on the team, you know, sending them all the positive energy that I can for them to, uh, to get up and down safely, as well as all the other teams that are up there. Um, there's roughly 10 teams sitting at base camp, maybe 12 that uh, have uh, members all the way from two or three up to as high as uh, 60 in the 60s. That would be seven summits treks. They're kind of the giant in the 8,000 meter industry these days. So this next week is going to be interesting. I'm going to have to follow it closely. Uh, like I said, today is July 16th. They are beginning the summit push over in uh, Pakistan uh, on Sunday, July 17th. Uh, and uh, we may see some summits on you know the 21st, 22nd, which would be Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Um, I'll be reporting uh, as soon as there's anything of uh, credible substance to support on. Going to avoid the speculation uh, and certainly send everybody there all my best for uh, a safe and enjoyable summit and get back home safely with all your fingers and toes to your loved ones and your favorite and your favorite cat. Okay. Climb on. This is Alan. And remember, memories are everything.